This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Hello, middle-level educators. Are you looking for a nationwide type of conference at the fraction of the cost? The North Carolina Association for Middle Level Education welcomes you to Charlotte, North Carolina, March 24th through the 26th for the 2024 NCMLE Inspire Conference. My name is David James, NCMLE Marketing and Conference Director, and I want to personally invite you to our annual conference. You will not want to miss our keynote and featured speakers that lead over 100 middle level specific teaching and learning sessions. Our featured lineup includes EDU experts from across the country, such as principal and leadership expert Baruti Kafele, Darren Peppard, LaQuanta Nelson, Zach Bowermaster, and the host of this podcast, Mr. Charles Williams. The NCMLE Inspire Conference is for everyone. Go to ncmle.org to register your team for the 2024 NCMLE Inspire Conference today. Welcome to the Counter Narrative Podcast, a show designed to change the way we talk and think about education. By sharing stories of successes and triumphs, we aim to challenge the dominant narrative that often negatively portrays our disenfranchised populations. I'm your host, Charles Williams, an urban educator for more than 15 years, a current school principal in Chicago an educational consultant, an equity advocate, and the co-host of Inside the Principal's Office. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Counter Narrative Podcast. As always, thank you so much for jumping back in. Uh, I am thrilled and honored by the listener count skyrocketing this year. I I don't know what happened. Maybe it's just that y'all discovered me or maybe it's because I have brought on some powerhouse of guests uh, this upcoming year. No no shade to the previous guests, but uh, I am continued. We're continuing. I'm excited to continue that 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 uh, chain of wonderful guests. In fact, the one that I have on here today is someone that I've not had the honor of sharing a lot of space with, but I had the honor of getting to see uh, during a recent conference. We were down in San Antonio, and one of the things that I love is that if you've listened to one of the previous episodes uh, or upcoming, depending on the order in which you're listening to these, uh, there there was Dr. Brian Dinkins and. His humor and his playfulness, and I was talking about how he was sitting next to one of our good friends, Katie Kinder, and they were up there being silly, and there was this individual who was on stage who had this poise and elegance and yet delivered powerful, powerful ideas. And as I sat there watching, I said, first of all, I do not really know this person, but I need to get to know her and I need to get her on the show because what better way to get to know her? And so now I'm hoping that after this conversation, we spend some time together. So today I have on the show, welcome to the space, the one and the only Aaron Glenn. Aaron, how are you tonight? 
I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to dive in, to join the podcast and to chat today. Yeah, you know, I truly am honored to have you in this space. As I was sitting there listening to you, you know, share your ideas, I was sitting there and saying, wow, this individual, this woman is a, a wealth you know, a wealth of knowledge. And then I was a little upset that I hadn't made it to your session. So I said, you know what, self, the next time we're at a conference together, the next time you are doing a session that I am not presenting during that window, I am definitely going to be in that space with you. Because if that hour of you sharing the stage with others was any indication of what you have to deliver, one, I'm really excited for the conversation tonight, but also for that session. So um, before I go any further, why don't you share a little bit about who you are, you know, the work that you do, maybe the journey and how you got there. Um, just tell us, who who is Erin Glenn? Yes, absolutely. Well, I am a career educator with over 15 years experience. And in my journey, I have served in many capacities that all began by way of working as a middle and a high school teacher. So within that role, I had many fortunate opportunities to collaborate, to engage, to really dive into the content and the pedagogy by way of quality professional development. And after teaching, I transitioned for a bit and became a content lead. And ultimately, after serving as a content lead, my journey in education transitioned really into the world of educator recruitment and retention by way of an initiative that was launched in my district. And this was a time when senior leaders were really determining how we could best support students after they graduated and to ensure that they were well prepared for college pathways and also for career pathways. So I transitioned from the world of core content into a service as a future ready institutes coach for my district. And ultimately, you know, in short, I, I had oversight for institutes, one of which was just, I would have to say, if there was a favorite, this was my favorite. And this was the institute for high school students that were interested in becoming teachers. So as early as high school, they had already determined that they wanted to be an educator. And this was a pipeline to really ensure that they had a robust experience to keep that momentum moving as they thought about what it meant for them to be a teacher as they're still, you know, in school and, and gaining coursework and really understanding what it is to be a student while also simultaneously thinking about what it meant to be an educator. So that was a great experience. It was a great opportunity. It was one that brought a lot of stakeholders in our community in to support as everyone is really interested in how we can keep that pipeline flowing with students as early as high school to think about what it means for them to be an educator. So from there, I transitioned still in the world of recruitment and retention and uh, served as an induction specialist. And this was really considering that retention measure once we have educators in our school district that are in the classroom, what can we do to really enhance and increase their effectiveness so they will be successful, they will be impactful, and they will be effective educators for our students. And this came by way of really ensuring that their professional development met not only their content needs, but their non-academic needs as it relates to whole teacher, well teacher, um, mental health and work-life balance and all the things that come with really being effective in the classroom and in a building. 
This also allowed me the opportunity to dive into what it meant to have a quality, effective, and impactful mentor. So we would match all teachers years one through three with a seasoned veteran teacher in the field. So there is somebody in their school building that they can go to as a direct point of contact. And um, this person ultimately, typically what we found is they start off as a mentor and it turns into just a great camaraderie between educators once those new teachers have the skills and the tools needed to be effective and they feel confident in their classroom with their students. So um, I have served in many capacities, many roles. I still am able to wear my educator hat by way of working as an adjunct. So this is uh, teaching at a school of education in my local community to ensure that those pre-service educators are well equipped with strategies, with uh, the, the research and also the practical understanding and application of that research. So they're effective as they're learning the tools and tricks of the trade, preparing for what it means for them to be a teacher of record. Wow. So you have been busy in this edu space, but doing some phenomenal work. Um, and, and it seems like, you know, in, in a myriad of spaces. And, and so now I'm curious that throughout that journey, right, as you've been doing this work, right, the whole purpose of this show is to identify areas uh, within our, within our field, within our realm, you know, to push back, to counter the narrative, right? Whether, whether that is pushing back on an idea that maybe dominates the space that isn't maybe entirely accurate, or we're presenting a, a different perspective, right? And in, in saying, hey, you know what? I know this is something that is often talked about, but let me, let me introduce something a little bit different. So I'm curious, what is it that you want to talk about tonight? Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's a lot to be said about education as a profession and the areas that that have really been been noted in that recruitment and retention thinking of how education is portrayed in the media the tools and the supports that are given for those who want to be educators and then also how we really put our minds together and connect the dots to ensure that once a teacher is a teacher, that they have all of the tools that they need to be successful and stay in the classroom and or stay in the realm of education so that they feel that there is a next step if they are confident in what they've done and feel good about the work that they've done and they're ready to pursue other options, that there are other pathways and other options within the realm of the career that are going to allow them to still be effective and impactful, just maybe in a different lane than they've done as a day-to-day classroom teacher. You know, Aaron, I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about this topic. I mean, I, there's no shortage. I, I've said this countless number of times that I know that, you know, we talk about that five-year mark, right? And we, we, we're so excited about the five-year mark. Like, hey, if you've made it past five years, and I'm curious what the mark is for other professions because you know, as a proud educator, that seems really low. Like I I would hope that the bar could be a little bit higher. And this was even more, I think, evident. And and I I believe I recorded an episode, maybe I was talking about it in another space, but, you know, during, especially like during the pandemic and right after we, we kept talking about this teacher shortage and we need teachers and we need teachers and we need teachers, you know, and my concern was, well, what are you doing about the ones that you already have? Like, like I, I'm glad that you brought up not just getting teachers in, 
But there's that retention component, which I don't think is too often talked about, that maybe, just maybe if things were better on that end, we wouldn't see so many people leaving. That bar would be a little bit higher. So I'm, gl- I'm glad that we are jumping into that conversation this evening. Definitely, definitely. And, and you said it perfectly. The retention is something that I don't believe has gotten as much attention or if it has, it's really unpacking what does it take to retain educators? And I would say first and foremost, you you hit the nail on the head. The five-year mark is typically that time when someone might start to consider and explore other opportunities. And one thing that I was excited to be able to work in in the world of recruitment and retention is considering not only administrative pathways, but how we can support teachers that are interested in not only teaching, but what it means to prepare them to be an instructional coach. So how are district leaders really coming together to create those pipelines within the district, within the same you know, sphere that you're in on a day-to-day basis to ensure that there are leadership opportunities for teachers so that at that five and six and seven year mark, they understand what paths look like to be an administrator or what the pathway is to be an instructional coach. And after they've identified what their next step could be or what they might be interested to explore, have we created a robust framework that really maps out opportunities for this cohort of educators to learn from seasoned educators and and district level leaders and senior leaders in their district that have gone through that journey. So they understand this is what it means to be a coach. Or if you're going to be an assistant principal, this is what that entails. And this is what the day-to-day will be. Um, Sometimes it appears that the grass is greener. And once you understand what those other roles entail and the responsibilities that come with that, some educators might decide, you know what, I really enjoy working with students and I really enjoy the world that I'm in now. Maybe it's just that I want to be a mentor so I can give back to new teachers. And that is a, is another viable, very needed uh, leadership pathway for educators that are looking for, for ways that they can make greater impact. So I would say that really considering what it means for someone that is interested to be able to recognize right here in my own school district, here are some different pathways, here are some different tools, and here are some cohorts, uh, whether that is an aspiring instructional coach cohort, an aspiring assistant principal cohort, where I can then meet others that are interested in these pathways also and understand before I apply, And before I get the position and realize afterwards that, oh, man, this is something that that opens up a whole new world that I I was not aware of, that they're able to get that experience and get the opportunities to take a peek inside of that to really determine if that's the right next step and the best fit for them. You know, Aaron, I, I really like the idea that you said that there are multiple pathways. I mean, in most of the districts that I have been in, right? If you're a great teacher, you're you're approached about administration, right? And, and when I say administration, it's usually the the principalship. And I know many many of my my uh, teachers they tell me, you know, over the years, like there's no way I'd ever be in that role. Like, you know, God bless you, but that is not for me. And so you're right. Like, if I'm in the teacher position, but the only thing we ever talk about is principalships, I I, I might feel stuck, right? I, I'm so I'm I'm glad that you're bringing up you know, the, the need for these multiple, uh, pathways. 
And so I, I'm curious, you know, obviously this is a conversation, right? This idea of a teacher shortage, the idea of, you know, just the issues surrounding education. I think almost every time I hear the news and it's about educators, right? It's, well, educators, you know, they're not being paid enough. They're not happy, you know, the, the hours or whatever it might be. And so I'm just curious, like, like, why do you think this is? Because we've seen them go through these, these, I guess, uh, ebbs and flows, right? There was that time during the pandemic where we were heroes and then we sneezed and we were, you know, martyrs. Uh, but like, why do you think this is? Like, we're having this conversation and I don't think we should be worried about, you know, the a teacher shortage. I don't think we should be worried about, you know, teachers as a profession. I mean, this is like the profession that should never, ever, ever have to worry about disappearing or being damaged. Like, it is the profession of professions. So why do you think this is? Well, I think, well, first off, I will say that education and being an educator is not for the faint of heart. Mm. Mm. There is so much that comes with what it takes to be effective and what it takes to build those relationships with students to develop the classroom climate and culture to a, to a, to a norm where instruction and learning can happen on a day-to-day -day basis. And these are not tools that are necessarily innate. I would say that a lot of uh, parents were able to identify that by way of COVID-19 when, you know, they, they were understanding what it meant to have their children at home and not in a school environment. And, the, the profession itself is not one that is viewed in the same perspective as other professions. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of negative publicity, a lot of negative attention that comes to education as a career, as a, as a profession. And it is one that is difficult to combat when you think about the importance and the need to maintain that pipeline of educators that are that are being recruited when the narrative is one that would repel people from the profession, whether it is by way of salary, whether it's by way of um, a bad experience that happened in one school, in one incident that then turned into a larger topic of conversation that casts education in a negative light, it makes it difficult to combat those. Um, so efforts that elevate the profession and elevate the profession across communities is something that is needed and something that takes a very uh, strategic, targeted effort by multiple stakeholders to change and to counter that narrative so that education is esteemed, it is understood and valued in the role that we play as educators in the community and in the next generation, giving birth to other careers and opportunities. And it's just unfortunate that what makes the news, what the most common topics of conversation are those that put education in a different light compared to other professions and other careers. So I, I think I want to echo uh, two, two words that you said, or two words that I, at least I heard, was the idea of educate and elevate, right? The, the, the idea of let's, let's educate the, the general population. Like, let's get them to understand what it really means to be an educator, right? I mean, how many times do we hear like, oh, must be nice to get the summers off. It's like, wait, what? When, when, when was the last time that anybody has had the summer truly, truly exactly. off, right? Yeah. Like, 
yes. oh, I'm, I'm prepping for three months to get ready for next year because, you know, while I'm catching up from assessments and everything from the previous year, like, no, summer, summer is just a long prep period. Exactly. Right? One, educate. Let, let, let's educate the population. But I think also, as you put in there, was this idea of elevate, right? Can we can we elevate the profession? We have plenty of professions in this country that have been glamorized in so many different arenas and so many different fashions. And, and immediately comes to mind, I remember what, and, and I don't remember where it was, but I saw this school, I believe it was a district, who essentially took educators from across the district and redid like it was um like sports photos, right? So the educator, maybe they were a baseball fan or a soccer fan. And so they dressed up as, you know, in that space and with their, you know, but, but it was for teachers. And it was like, like, what if, like, what if we taught, you know, treated educators or the field, at least the profession, like we do some of these other spaces and glamorized and, you know, like popularized and, Maybe it would help, but so I, though, I just wanted to echo those sentiments that I heard was that educate and elevate. Definitely, definitely. There's so much room to use those common practices that you're describing and bring them into the educator space. Um, even, you know, the the infrastructure, and I'm, I'm going sideways just a bit, but even infrastructures of buildings, you know, there's a lot that the community can do to rally and to support education as a profession to help elevate educators that are boots on the ground, their mindset about their their profession, and also to change that narrative about what it means to be an educator. There are so many skills. There are so many tools. There is so much that goes into delivering a lesson to preparing for students, to making sure that from the time they enter the classroom to the time they leave, they are engaged, they are collaborative, they are um, well-prepared, they're moving, they're hitting benchmarks, they're reaching goals. And that is nothing to to push to the side or to uh, deem in a light any less than any other profession. So there's definitely a lot of room to really bring all players together and consider how we as a community can change that narrative so that educators do understand that their profession is valued, that they're valued in the communities by students, by families, and it is is deemed as a, uh, a valuable career. So can I ask you a question? And this was one that I was sitting on my mind as we're having this conversation. If, if we're talking about education as a valuable career, and, and, and I'll preface this question with this fact that my undergrad was not in education, right? I was a product of a transition to teaching. Um, I will admit I was never in another field. I, I just literally graduated, started working in a school, jumped right into a transition program uh, so I could pursue my educational uh, degrees, uh, stuck around, right, got the master's in teaching and then eventually administration. So I, I, I want to preface this because one of the things we're talking about prioritize value, you know, uh, adding value to this field, right? Elevating the field. And yet oftentimes as I turn around, I see either a teacher prep programs who are seemingly making it easier to become a teacher, right? They're, they're dropping pieces or they're, they're, they're lowering the, you know, the standards, uh, if you will, or I'm seeing, you know, legislation being passed with the idea of, well, you know, I, I saw somewhere with one of our more Southern states that said, hey, you know what? Veterans are great people. They, they they should be able to be teachers. And it's like, 
I hear you, right? But I mean, I don't see you opening up, you know, like, hey, interested in being a surgeon? We have a weekend, like, hands out trying. Like, I could, I couldn't imagine. So we're talking on one side of this, like, let's, let's value our field. Let's put it up there with all of these others. And yet there are these practices on the other side that seem to say, like, you know what? We just need bodies and spaces. Like, can can do you have any ideas, any thoughts on that? I mean, I know where I stand, but I'm not in the position yet, right, to, to make those laws or to make those decisions at the collegiate level. So I'm just curious, like, that seems counterproductive to what it is that you and I are talking about. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a lot to unpack there for sure. Um, I have found and have seen that there are a lot of, of innovative ways for someone who's interested to be a teacher to gain the licensure, to, to you know, take the praxis, to be a teacher in a classroom. And with that, you get educators that are coming to classrooms with varied levels of understanding, of experience, of preparation, that ultimately then goes back into that retention because if they're not successful, if they're not well-prepared, they will be defeated, they will feel defeated and ultimately start to look elsewhere. So I think the preparation of someone who enters a classroom is something that cannot be neglected. Not only are they in need of really understanding the content that they're going to explore, but knowing your content and being able to teach your content in a grade level, age-appropriate manner in bite-sized chunks for elementary, middle, and high schools is a whole nother ball itself. And that's nothing that can be taken lightly, despite the fact that we do have a shortage and we are looking for um, how we can fill vacancies. So there is a, it's a fine line with the innovation of uh, how organizations and agencies are thinking about educator preparation and and filling some of those spaces with also making sure that they are well prepared. And I I believe that more information is something that you never can have too much to understand the difference between one pipeline, one pathway, another pathway to understand what the experiences are for aspiring educators as they progress through these pipelines. So if it is a a pathway that may be different in the number of years that are required before an educator enters the classroom on the back end, what is being done to 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 support those hours? Is that being being uh, gathered by way of experience that they're getting in the field? Is that happening in some other area to really be able to recognize if someone leaves this program, what does that mean for them when they enter the classroom? Um, the rigor is necessary. The, the stakeholders to connect the dots with districts and educator preparation programs or you know residency programs or whatever the, the pathway is for the educator are really important to ensure that there is not an effort that's going to quickly get someone in just to fill the spot, but then they're not prepared for the reality of a classroom and they're not effective in their content area or in their their field once they get there. So that's that's one bucket. There is also also the bucket to really, you know, to to couple that is to determine from some of these non-traditional pathways and even a traditional pathway, what does the data tell us about their 
success in the field, short term, long term? You know, is this a program that is really uh, one that is helping to solve our problem in the long run and not just to put a Band-Aid on a, a vacant position for a district one year only to turn around and still have that opening the next year? So there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to really dive in to understand what's going to be the, the best measure. It's going to be the best of both worlds, but we can't underscore and undervalue the preparation of someone to be effective in the classroom. It's, it's my personal opinion. It's much better to make that investment on the front end and not just to look for the warm body in the classroom. Um, that's just going to do more damage in, in multiple ways, not only for that, that position, but the students that are in the classroom that are not getting the, the, the coursework, the content, the education that they need to be successful as they progress through their, their journey in education as well. Yeah, no, absolutely, Erin. And, and I'm glad that you said all of those things because I, and immediately I was like, Charles, uh, I think that might just be like a part two to this conversation because I immediately think about some of those people who come out who are absolutely unprepared and where they end up. And as we dive into how it impacts education, like because it does not impact education equally across the board. And that's a very, very unfortunate space. And being an educator I've seen that firsthand as we have struggled to have teachers within our own buildings. But I think I will save that for part two. So listeners, little teaser there. But I will say this or ask this for those listening right now. Right. Maybe they're educators. Um, maybe they are, you know, at higher ed. Right. Maybe they are. I don't know. Just listeners who were like, I'm curious what this podcast is about. We've talked about educating and elevating. So I, I'm going to use those two right now as we close this piece out and just simply ask for the listeners, can you give me one way that maybe they could help to educate and one way that they could help to elevate, you know, to, to give it a framework, if you will. It's one way that they could educate the population about what it means to be an educator or to educate themselves if they're not, or, and one way to elevate, like how can we try to bring this profession back to the glory that you know, it should have, you know, amidst all of this unfortunate chaos that is happening. Definitely. I, I have found that many people that think about education and think about teachers and what it means to be a teacher refer back to their own experience in the classroom, what it was like for them when they were, um, you know, what they what they experienced when they were a student, some of which can be positive, some of which can be negative. But so much has changed in education over the years and the work that happens in classrooms and the work that happens in schools. So I would encourage community stakeholders, those that are really interested in just learning more to recognize how education has shifted over the past few years and what some of the trends are and how demographics and dynamics in schools are different is to find opportunities to support whether that means um, joining and, and joining a classroom and helping a teacher out with uh, materials that they are prepping for or being a judge in a classroom or across a grade level that is uh, helping to judge, you know, a contest that's among students or uh, offering feedback on presentations that they give to really understand what it means for students and teachers in classroom today in 2024, what some of those realities are. I would suspect that the more 
stakeholders are in buildings, are in schools, are in classrooms, and they can see the work that's being done in the classroom, that alone will change the narrative. And that will educate them from to all of the skills that educators come and bring in a classroom as they prepare for students, as they are, are ensuring that students are well prepared for next steps. I would say in that, the second half of that would definitely also be that within itself will bring elevation into the field when you can see a classroom, see wonderful things that are happening and be able to share that and consider how your world of work might be able to support a school, whether that's adopting a school, adopting a classroom, finding where there are gaps that your world of work and, and hat or area of expertise may be able to support is something that really goes a long way. Um, things that are common in other fields may not be as common and are not as common in education. So those things that some, some skills and some careers have I'll say, for example, in uh, in one partnership with in our district, we were able to find that uh, our local university got new furniture and tables and chairs and, and all the things every, you know, so many years. And those that were deemed older may not really be in bad condition. It was just part of, you know, their their work to renovate and to re refurbish and re replenish that, that furniture space that they put that to the side and it might only be three or four years old. Well, to a school that can be brand new. And there's just multiple opportunities and ways where those dots can be connected by bringing in speakers into the classroom, by bringing in areas of expertise and hats that others wear to really enhance and, and ensure that educators have a robust team of people that are supporting students in the classroom who will ultimately be the next ones in these other fields. So starting early and looking for ways that, that can community members can then help elevate educators and any gaps that they're able to see and find is something that really goes a long way for a teacher. It goes a long way for a school and a district as a whole. Man, I, I, I cannot thank you enough. And I will say that uh, if you're listening, I know one of those pieces that Aaron brought up uh, was, you know, bringing out speakers. And so, you know, Aaron and I, we we know plenty of those. So if, if you're looking for uh, someone to connect with the school uh, and you're not sure where to start, well, you have two people right here, which is a perfect segue because I'm about to ask Aaron, like listeners who are listening to this, I am sure who are like, man, Charles, you were not lying. This was a great episode. Cannot wait for part two for all of that other little teasers that you left out before. But in the meantime, how can I get in touch with Aaron? So how can they find you? Sure. Twitter is my social media. Um, that's my, my world of social media. On Twitter, my my personal username is Aaron underscore Glenn underscore edu is my twitter handle i also have a handle for all those things that that are being done to support that professional development that teachers get to support their attention by way of a second twitter handle and that is at frame underscore learning so i can be found in either either areas i would love to connect i follow back and would be glad to to continue that narrative with you by way of twitter Wonderful. So if you are listening to this episode, definitely go ahead and find Erin. Uh, I will include, you know, her bio and contact information in the show notes in case uh, you're driving. Please do not, you know, 
get into an accident or something, trying to look her up. She will still be there when you arrive at your destination. Uh, but with that being said, Aaron, I just want to say, first of all, thank you, obviously, for for being a guest on the show. I know that we've we had some scheduling conflicts. So I'm glad that we were able to make this work. So honored to have you in this space. Uh, but more importantly, thank you for doing this work. We as a profession, you know, honor honor you for the idea that to say, look, look, I'm going to do work not only to get wonderful educators in, but can I continue to do the work to keep them in the space? Because this is our profession. So thank you for your dedication and commitment to doing that. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. It has been truly a pleasure and kudos to you for even opening and having a platform to really explore all things in education and the topics that are really um, important for us to keep that conversation going so that we can further elevate and equip uh, those that are thinking about education with tools and, and ideas and thoughts from boots on the ground. So kudos to you. Uh, no, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And Aaron, I am sure that our paths will cross soon. So until next time. All right. Until next time. I want to thank you for listening to the Counter Narrative Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to like, subscribe, and of course, share it with friends and family. I'd also love to hear your thoughts about the show, so please leave a comment or two as well. Now, I'm not sure what platform you're using, but the show can be found on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and plenty of other platforms. If the show isn't on your preferred site, let me know, and I'll be sure to get it up and running. This podcast is also featured on schoolrubric.com, where you can find educational articles, videos, and interviews with educators from around the globe. Be sure to connect with me and other listeners by following the show on Twitter at The CN Podcast and joining the show's Facebook group. Take care.